It, it would be a lot harder, I think, to do any of the job things I've done, uh, most of them, if I wasn't, if I didn't have something else that I was doing that, that felt kind of essential to me in some way. And, and the writing turns out to be much more of a thing than I would have maybe guessed earlier on, although I guess I've always kept journals and things. So it's always funny when you look back and you see things that you have been doing your whole life <laughs> and there you are doing them even more you know so so um, being creative is certainly one of those things writing as it turns out is is definitely one of those things this is the podcast creative at the wheel and i'm julie claire as a transformational life coach and creativity guide, my life's work is helping people reshape their lives from the inside out. Here, I have deep dive conversations with luminaries who share about their own transformational journeys and how they became soul-sourced and creatively juiced. May their stories uplift and embolden all of us. Let's jump in. Today, my guest is David Coleman. David has been a ski patroller, has skied 21,000 feet in the Andes, has traveled to Tibet, Peru, and other parts of the world, has been a full-time potter for many years, an inventor, and more recently, a school bus driver. Through all of his different iterations, poetry has come with him and has given him a sense of purpose and a way to explore the world that keeps him sane and gives him a soulful way to be with people and be seen. David is also my husband. We've been a couple for 32 years. And while in many ways, we originally came together in the ways that opposites attract, we have both always shared a love of the creative process and self-discovery. And David's way of connecting to the earth and to the small wonders of life have been a big teaching for me over the years. Today, I want to dive into his life with poetry, for it inspires me. And I think many people would love a life that is lit with their own unique relationship to poetry, both their own and others. I'm not sure if interviewing one's husband is a fool's mission, but I'm certainly enthusiastic today about my talk with David. So let's jump in. Hello, David. Welcome in. Hi. hi. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. David, poetry, poetry through all these different iterations. Um, first off, let me just jump in and ask you, what is poetry to you at this point in your life? It, it, well, it's certainly changed over over this the stretch of it at this point in my life it's it's a way of connecting i guess you could say connecting to uh that creative part inside me connecting to other people um connecting to to the softer or gentler side of me that is utterly important that as a male in this society is often not encouraged. <laughs> and, and do you remember when you first kind of came into poetry or as a child, did you hear it? Did you read it? Did you write it or? I'd, I yeah. definitely remember um, that started. Uh, we were homeschooled uh, from fourth grade up until college. And there was a point where I was a teenager and uh, we had a French teacher who was also teaching us some other things. 
And she said poetry was essential to everybody's lives or something to that effect. And I was kind of like, I don't know that that doesn't seem quite right to me that it's essential to everybody. But, but I did think, but, you know, somehow something resonates with that. I think it's essential to me. So I tried writing some poetry stuff. And the first thing was some epic uh, on a ship, stormy at sea, something or another poem. I don't remember now what the poem was. It wasn't a good poem, um, but it was it was a poem. And then I would do some limericks and things. and. I started to get a little bit of a knack for it. It seemed like it's like, oh, these words seem to be coming and fitting together and working. So, so that was the start of it. And then in college, I took a creative writing class. And so poetry was definitely a part of that. And it seemed to work even better. And I got a really good grade and it was kind of encouraged, if anything. And so I was like, oh, cool. I, like, maybe I can do this somewhat. I'm not just uh, straggling along with it or something. And um, so, yeah, that's that's the the beginnings. Yeah. Hey, have you ever thought about a contacting that tutor and saying, you know, I remember saying you this and it really made a difference in my life? I'm just curious. I have, I guess I've thought about it. And that's as far as it's, as it's gotten. I, but that would be interesting to do. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, hearing that, you know, hearing that story to me, that impact of what one person tells you. Can I just ask you, who was that tutor to you, for you? Was it someone you listened to? Was it a, do you think anybody could have told you that and you would have listened? Or what was, what was particular <laughs> about that? <laughs> that was Barbara Kennerly with the, uh, the tight sweater. And uh, I was a teenager and I was quite in awe. Um, so I, I, I uh, you know, she was pretty cool or whatever, I think, and from my perspective. So if she said something, I was, I was definitely at least going to listen to it or, or that kind of thing. And um, so if she thought poetry was important, then I should at least check it out. Yeah. Got it. Absolutely. I love that story that, um, so I, I just want to, I want to catch us up to now, but, um, a little bit, how much for you is poetry about reading other people's poetry and how much is it about writing for yourself? How, how do you relate to that at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's all the same ocean. It's, it's, uh, it, I appreciate poetry if I like it, if it, if it resonates. And so, yeah, other people's, uh, I, when I run into another poem that I really like, it's like, great. If I can write a poem like that, then wonderful. But, um, you know, they, if I was just reading other poems and not getting in the creativity of writing my own, then something would be missing at some point. Um, but I think also if I were only writing my own poems and didn't bump into anybody else's, it would feel like too much of a vacuum. Yeah, in some way. So and what do you remember? What was one of your earlier moments of a poem that that spoke to you or impacted you or a poet that impacted you? Um, 
Well, uh, I went to see Robert Bly pretty, you know, sometime in my those college years that, that and that that felt like here's somebody who's out there speaking and he was not going on about poetry per se he was going on about some of that was mixed in there it was a whole thing he was doing that had to do with the way he saw young men and what needed to how they need to be brought into society in a way that was maybe different than how, how it's normally being done and that impacted me quite a bit um some of the how, poems how did you stumble into robert bly um, there you are in college and you're taking creative writing class i was i just i was going with uh a girlfriend who she was going to that and did i want to go and it's like uh i think i've heard of him who's that sure i'll go and and so it was it was it's like i was surprised once i was there it's like oh wow this is like amazing yeah so I wouldn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't chasing that down on my own. I just found out by yeah. being there. <laughs> yeah. What do you remember of him speaking? Well, he was, he was playing a drum a little bit and it was kind of a performance, but it was speaking and it was throwing in some poetry and talking about things. And he, there was a, a kind of urgency almost for him to, he had something to say. He It wasn't, he had something to say and he was trying to get this thing across to the audience and it, it felt, it was not, it was very much not just entertainment. Something was going on. There was a, uh, he was, he needed to be out there saying this and he wanted to get that across in some way and that was like important to him so um but also that he was he he was dressed in a vest and he's he was more like a hobbit than a person almost or something the way he and the whole performance was or whatever you want to call it his him being out there on stage was utterly um he was just there doing it and he wasn't being a regular person. He wasn't going on the debate team. He wasn't, you know, presenting something, uh, a business proposition. He, you know, it was definitely more in the vein of being human, being poetic, being uh, soft or accessible or something other than than the normal male stereotype for sure. Um, and that was pretty amazing. Um, at the end of that performance, I felt like I needed to go up there and touch him. It was okay to have the words going on, but it, almost, it was more almost for him, it was that somehow he was trying to connect with the audience, but it was still only these words and there was this vacuum of space in between, air in between a little bit. And at the end, I, I went up and I touched his back his shoulder and he automatically swiveled around i touched his left shoulder he, he swiveled around to the right side and i was over on his left side so i then moved over 
and touched his the other side he he moved in a direction that implied an embrace and i was only touching him just as somebody who's farther away and not that intimate <laughs> so that was also a, a surprise and then i just didn't i didn't actually want to talk i just wanted to have that contact but but he kind of looked at me and like he said hello or something and i couldn't not say anything and i just said like thanks or, or something and and but anyway so it had its a profound um uh influence moment something that's actually really quite beautiful um yeah. who 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 else have you seen reading that made an impact famous or not famous well that is the first thing that comes to mind is mary oliver um definitely famous and i you know i like her poetry a lot and and she did, wasn't out and about very much and so when i heard she was coming to santa fe i was like i am going to be there it was sold out and i found out can you you know how can i what happens if there's extra tickets or people don't show up or how and they said well yeah there, we, you've got a thing if you come and wait and stand you know you, you have a chance of getting in and and so i got there an hour early and i was the second person standing in that line and i was if anybody was getting in <laughs> i was getting in there and and that worked and she came in looking like the most kind of ordinary sort of housewife and she read her own poems just i would say almost dismally with almost so little emphasis or i just it was astounding to me that she could write this amazing amazing stuff and but she's so not a performer and um, afterwards when i got to when she was doing book signing stuff i didn't have any books to sign but i just wanted to meet her and so I went up and I said that it's like, and she just, her hand popped out and she, we shook hands in the moment uh, we shook hands. I felt like in her hand, it was like, oh my gosh, there's the poet. There's the person who goes on the seashore and picks up things. And there's the person who's, who's not, a, you know, like some great professor, but just down to earth, like, wow immersed in it and if it felt like i it was kind of at that moment that yeah that you again feeling like i get where those poems are coming from somehow and so that was uh really nice to be able to to do yeah wow any can you it's an it's also a beautiful story is there any other meeting like that that comes that pops up in this moment or um not like that you know then more recently you know we there's the the poetry group that bill and it's it started and i wasn't able to get to because of my work time for a long time and i finally when that changed i was finally able to go and be part of the poetry group and that was thrilling in a different a very different kind of way um, but it wasn't a a one person or one moment of that quite as much it was just 
being able to be immersed in, with different people, bringing their poems and writings and me being able to have kind of more of an outlet for mine. And, and that, that was, that's wonderful in its own way, but, but it's not as much right. of a moment it, or a person. Now that's a group that you're still part of. And I think you're referring to Bill Page in Abiquiu. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. And um, what's your sense when you hear other people reading theirs, whether they're good, bad, in, in between, uh, none of the above, what's it like to listen to other people who are doing, having kind of a life as you are living with poetry and writing poems? Well, I, I like that it happens. So I'm, I'm glad that other people are out there, you know, writing and saying this stuff. And, and yeah, the variety of it is, is huge. And, um, and, you know, when we're doing that, we're also bringing some things in that maybe aren't even finished and, and stuff. And so it's not like everything is, is all that good or tremendous or anything like that, but, but it's still, it's the process. And I, sometimes I go, I, I go into the meeting almost like it's a chore and I nearly always come out just feeling like better and like, oh gosh, that's like, like cool. <laughs> like, oh good. It's kind of like going for a walk. Sometimes I don't feel like going for a walk. And then nearly always when I'm done or when I'm coming back, I'm like, yeah, that was really nice to be out there. What's your sense of that for you, the impact of having a group right now? I wonder, since you, um, yeah, what, what, what do you think? Do you think you wouldn't be writing as much if you didn't have the group? Oh, I definitely wouldn't. I wouldn't. In general, I don't try to write. I let it come to me. If, if something starts, usually a poem starts with a, a line or two will come in, or I'm just interested in something so i kind of want to find some way to write about it but a lot of times there's a line or two that comes in and that gets something rolling and when that happens i'm just following it out in a way um but when i'm when it's things are stirred up more that tends to happen more often and then there's times when i because it's like well gee maybe i should see if i can come up with a poem for this wednesday or something then sometimes I, I do push on it a little bit and try, and it usually doesn't work. <laughs> but it, but, but something else will come through maybe more later on. And so, but also then other people other people are writing things or it stirs up it stirs up that stuff. So just being around it and being in it um, definitely keeps it more happening and more um, more alive and. All those influences, you know, um, yeah, I keep it, 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 I would, I would say it's pretty likely that I've maybe had got twice as many poems, if you wanted to say, than I would otherwise have if I wasn't in that group. It seems very likely. Wow, it's, it's very powerful, really. Um, now I know you, put together a book um, of your own poetry and, and you self-published it in 2005. What, at that point, I know that was way before you were in the poetry group, um, your life uh, balance, work life was different. Uh, but what, what was it that fed into that? What, what was that book about for you, the first book? And what was the title again? And All This Time. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, I just, I was writing enough poems that seemed like, well, gee, I should put them into a book and, and roll them out there somehow, some, get, get stuff out there somehow, if I can. It seemed like the thing to do. It, I can't remember if I, if I started before the book, or if, I think it was once I did the book, then I also felt like I need to go out and actually do some things where I go out and read out where there's people. And that was utterly terrifying um, and extremely difficult. The publishing the book, self-publishing the book was it was pretty difficult as well. And but uh, but it did at least make it a little more, you know, it was a step towards it being out out and about a little bit more. And um David, so, what, what is that difference between it, poetry living inside you, writing poems, and that shift to actually sharing it with others and having it be like what you said, more public or out there, being out there? What is that shift for you? What, what is the importance of that, do you notice? Or then even, maybe it's changed, but then and now. Um, I... I don't know. I wonder how how long would a songbird sing if nobody were ever going to hear it or something. I, it's like it's partly to be heard. Otherwise, it becomes a, kind of a pointless in some way. So, I guess when I'm writing, I'm I'm assuming a listener at some point in time, in some way or another, somehow even if it's va only vaguely on the fringe of my, my process or, so it just feels like if it's all stays inside, it, it doesn't make any sense that the poetry is, is partly an out, it goes out <laughs> some way or another. Otherwise it seems kind of, um, I don't know, it'd be like, how would you, uh, why would you play a musical instrument if it didn't actually make any sound, almost? Like if it, there isn't, and if it, yeah, I get if you it. were the only one that could hear it even, it still would be a little like, uh, yeah. I hear it. I mean, a songbird example. Um, and so what, and that first book, what, what does it mean for you? And like, how, how are you different after it was done? 2005, you have these poems, you've written them. And after that, you think, I know I even need to read them. So how important was that, do you think, to have that kind of collection and to, was it about taking it seriously? Was it about confidence? Was it about, you know, owning it in a new way? Or what, what was that step? Because I, I do work with a lot of people who begin somewhere, whether it's painting, poetry, whatever, pottery. And at some point I noticed that there's a, it's like this, I just know all of a sudden that, that there needs to be someone else in it, seeing it, receiving it. And up until that point, it, it wouldn't even come up in the process. So I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in this a lot with other people. So I'm just curious what your experience with that was. Um, or is. I think part of it is, is that wanting a response of some kind, wanting 
to see how it lands for somebody else and hoping that that there's something there and it isn't just a bunch of bs or whatever um so is it like an Af a confirmation of something do you think at a certain point yeah i think you could say that um it's it is yeah partly, is, it a is it a receiving i'm just putting myself in your position yeah um confirmation sounds closer like i say it's it's getting a response back if the, <laughs> if the and you hear another songbird in another tree calling back to you you kind of go ah okay something happened um so so it's a little it feels like the confirmation seems more like it and you know, so when I put the book out, you get a variety of responses, but you also find out who, which poems people actually seem to to like more or gravitate more or, or appreciate or whatever, and other ones that, you know, they see it's kind of people, the response is kind of like, yeah, whatever. And um, so it it's information. It tells you, it gives you some sense of something. Um, if I hadn't gotten a good grade in that creativity class in college, would, would, would I have continued? I think I would have continued on with, with poetry at some level, but those things that help nudge you along more, you know, when somebody says they really do like this poem or they, they, you can tell that they're really responding to it. It, it, helps <laughs> it feels better you know that we're social beings or whatever we're what what other people think or feel about what we're doing matters to us and um so yeah. it's it's it, it definitely involves that i think i get it i i see the importance and that celebration or that i love that what you're saying that connection coming back um and, and, you know, this, that was a long time ago, 2005. Um, yeah. Is there, do you have a poem from that book that you would love to read at this point that you still, you go, wow, that was a breakthrough poem. You know, that, that, that was a bit of a life changer or a poetry changer for me. And, and that got in that first book. Um, yeah, there's, there's actually, I do have one. There, there's actually, I just saw in the front, um, I have this one little thing that's kind of in front of all the poems that just says something is that as I become less and less coherent, more and more, the words keep coming to me, a poet. So as a, mm. as a potter, it was hard for me to say, hey, that's what I am. I'm a potter. It was, it was what I was doing a lot, but I it was hard to say. And it's like, it takes a while to get accustomed to it maybe, but it feels like I've grown into it more and more where I feel like I can say I'm a poet. I'm not the poet. It's not my thing. I do like hundred percent. And, you know, it's not like all I am or anything like that, but it feels like I could say that and it feels more, like, yeah, that's absolutely part of who I am or what I am. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
but there is a poem in here that I still. Uh, oh, I great. Liked. Would you read it? Yeah. All right. Thank you. This is so from this two, is, before 2005, because 2005 is when the book came together. True. Yeah, okay, that's true. go for it. So this, the title of this one is Ancient Dream. I go out into the night and the sky wakes me into an ancient dream. The oldest stars are sparkling in deep rivers of night sky. Broken parchments of cloud, veiling and unveiling the moon. On clear nights, I see it again, each star, a constant moment, reaching me with a tiny decimal of light, impressing bright meanings unto me. The stars are saying something unintelligible and explicit, something that I am in the only true moment that will ever be, or that I have a memory from a time long before my body, and I am standing in it, a quiet stream, everything that's ever been, the shining moments of my being. So. That's beautiful. Can you, what, for, do you remember the, what was the, what happened for you and that being a breakthrough, what showed up for you that sparkles? Um, well, there's some lines that, that always, that, that just, I just go, yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I love the oldest stars are sparkling in deep rivers of night sky. The sense that these are ancient, ancient stars, these stars have been around for some of them for, you know, how many millions of years or whatever the life of a star and they're sparkling like they're just so fresh and new and present um so uh it feels like the poem works all the way through which is always, i'm always glad when that happens and Oh yeah. You don't um, have to explain it. I was just curious yeah. with the breakthrough, but it's, it's partly, it sounds like when something like a line breaks through, like that gets through to you and you get to put it well, in. There's yeah. an experience that I felt that I was able to get into the poetry to fit enough yeah. that it feels like it, what I was experiencing, I was able to say it somehow because that's what poetry is, is, to be able to say things that you can't say with words in a, in a regular way. So it feels like it, it came through, I guess, enough from my perspective. So I'm, so I very much like when that can happen. And I, oh, absolutely. You, and yeah. There's been a time I remember you using the phrase, and I still remember this. It's not that long ago, language of dreams writing as, as in the language of dreams, 
how is, what is this, what is this for you? I'm, I guess I'm exploring a little bit um, how your writing has shifted and developed over some of the years. Um, and that poetry bit coming together was a development of a kind, a coalition. Uh, it's a movement, a step towards moving things out there a bit. Yeah, exactly. And that's but a big breakthrough, right? And then reading them out there for the first time. And, and you said that was really hard. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> My stomach would be all clenched up for, for half an hour or more after doing that. I would just, uh, I was, I was a mess. Um, but the, another breakthrough was, it actually had to do with writing the book that I'm also trying to write, which has some poetic stuff, but I was, I was trying to write a book about being human. I tried to be, explain it as clearly as I could in the first iteration, and it was just deadly dull. And then I thought, maybe I can write it out as poetry. So I tried writing it out as poetry, and it was extremely, extremely unclear as to what the heck I was trying to get across. So I was like, how do I, how do I say, how do I, I need to say this in a way that comes across, but it needs to come across. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but I'm talking about being human. I'm not trying to be a, a cyberbot explaining what it is to be human or whatever. So how do I embody this enough and say what I'm trying to say in a way that's clear? And I was listening to a podcast and somebody was talking about dreams and how there's a kind of universal language to dreams that, that, you know, sometimes words will come through in a dream that are in English or something, but most of the time it's, it's, there's not a specific language to a dream. It's everybody knows kind of that dream thing. And there's a kind of common ground or a kind of common language through, through this sense of dreams. And I was intrigued also by the way that dreams have these, you're, you know, you're doing one thing, you're driving down the highway and next thing you know, the very next thing that's going on is you're eating in a restaurant talking to someone and in the dream, somehow that seems perfectly natural. There's no, there's no um, kind of jarring juxtaposition of those two things. It's just like, well, yeah, you're doing this and then you're doing right. this. Right, like and no big transition, that. right? You're one yeah. and then the next, it just yeah. Kind of, and it all seems to make sense somehow in the dream. And so I, I thought, okay, I want to try and write in the language of dreams such that these juxtapositions can happen, but they have to be natural. They have to be coherent the way a dream is, even though they might seem utterly separate. There's something going on that makes this one a single dream. So for me, that was a, a, a big breakthrough of writing and it definitely affected my poetry because I would get those first lines that would come in and then I would try and follow them out. And a lot of times I would try and ABC them or logic them into where the poem was going next. So I would try to write that. And it, it, it usually wasn't as good as those first lines that just arrived. So then with the language of dreams that those, that same situation, I'd have those, those lines, and they'd be sitting there and I, then I'd say, okay, now 
if this were a dream, what would come in next? Would it be something following along the lines of where those first ones were going? I totally get or, it. Yeah. Or would it be just, huh, what? What If this were a dream, what would happen next? And, and then I leave the space open for what would happen next. And something usually comes in and it's like, oh, okay, there's a different tangent than I was thinking of. And I, I find a way of writing that down. See, then, I love this because it's, it's sharing, you know, what we say, creative process. How do we, how do we develop within ourselves? This, our voice keeps developing it. It's growing. It, it runs into something like the language of dreams. And I, I want to put you on the spot. Can you, it doesn't have to be obvious to us as the listener, but um, if it is, that's fine. Um, but do you have a poem that you can read that you feel was really informed by this kind of breakthrough, the language of dreams? Yeah, this is one of the ones that was earlier on once I was trying to write that way more. Okay, great. Um, and then, you know, and then after I've done that, I rework them and, you know, adjust things some, but, but the, it gets me off in other ways than I would have gone. So yeah, got it. This is this one's called Shadow Dan Dancer. A raven gliding turns and becomes as black as his shadow. Among sunlit branches that undulate in a sudden breeze. As solid as an incarnation but clearly not of this world alone. For one waking moment, the raven is a dream gliding through my mind, touching the branches and the shimmering shadows inside me, even long after landing. I love that poem. Shadow dancer, right? Yeah. Wow. So it, it feels like, you know, it, the percentage of poems that I liked or, or whatever got higher, better. <laughs> um, oh, really? With the language of dreams, you felt like? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because because if you try to follow it out in a logical sequence, you start to slowly kill the poem. <laughs> and, and so it's harder to, um, to keep it alive. And with the language of dreams, it is, it's, it is, tends to uh, be much more alive or Happening and, or and you know this thing you know this idea of being human keeping this alive this language of dreams how does this um, how is this part of your life work balance at this point like what is poetry to you now you're you call yourself semi retired and you have a part time job you're actually driving a school bus and you're doing lots of writing um, what does that do like if you weren't writing could you do could you do the school bus thing. It, it would be a lot harder, I think, to do any of the job things I've done, uh, most of them, if I wasn't, if I didn't have something else that I was doing that that felt kind of essential to me in some way. And the writing turns out to be much more of a thing than I would have 
maybe guessed earlier on, although I guess I've always kept journals and things. So it's always funny when you look back and you see the things that you have been doing your whole life. <laughs> and there you are doing them even more, you know. So, so um, being creative is certainly one of those things. Writing, as it turns out, is is definitely one of those things. Um, I think I'm wandering off like the question. I'm not sure. I don't. Oh no, don't just remember. the balance. Because I mean, that's my sense of you is that part of you can show up in the world at some of these what you would call more regular jobs. I mean, you've done jobs that weren't at all regular, right? You've yeah, right, been right major ski patroller. You've been, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, the full time pottery business that we did together. Um, 24 seven. Um, but that was where it was really focused on your creative, you know, your handmade pottery pieces, right, but right. this I mean, like driving a school bus is not right. So, and then, right. it's and, more of a regular... and other things, you know, you had a different driving job before this. And I was just curious because I think a lot of people find themselves at times when their job is, is straighter or less inspired than they are. And the role of creative practice is huge. And sometimes I think it allows us to do things we would never do, but actually really serve us because we do have this other active life. So I was just curious your thoughts around that for you. Yeah, there's there's some kind of balance. Sometimes it's really nice to be able to go do something that you just know how to do. It's a bit rote perhaps in one way, but it's you can just go and do it and you know how to do it. And there's something nice about that. But if it was only that, it would be uh, it would be deadly, I think. And if everything had to be creative and new and spontaneous and amazing all the time, I think that would almost be hard to, like, you want some balance there, too, in some way. So the two things, I think, in a lot of ways, do complement um, each other. And the way I write poetry is not there's there's the structure is not you know some writers sit down and write from eight to noon every day i just simply it just comes in when it comes in like it's a completely unstructured thing so if, if i just go into that too far i lose all structure and it's nice to have some some of that so the work-life thing provides a certain amount of structure and as long as it isn't too much that's then it's actually a benefit. I got, and, I, I totally yeah. get it. So the mix of those is nice. I also want to say that, you know, for instance, recently uh, you'll be, I might be doing some reading in the morning first thing in the morning and you'll be reading some poems um, somebody else wrote and it'll be like, David, share a poem with me. And it's, um, and that's first thing in the morning um, before things you've been getting started. So that from my experience, I received so much hearing you pick a poem that you love and to listen to that first thing in the morning. Um, so there's also that, you know, from my, the impact on me is that it, it opens me up and then I can love something that you love. And that's even more connection or not love it, you know, depending on the poem. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but, so I just wanted to out that also as a creative practice that even just simply reading a poem, reading a poem, first thing, how that could be, a, 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 the whole day can go different. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice start. I was reading spiritual kind of books at first thing in the morning for a while, and then I was sort of ran out of that. But I also got a little tired of it, and so yeah, more recently, 
having I ran into uh, Billy Collins, who I hadn't known about before, and uh, found that I like a lot of his poems. And so it's fun to be able to, yeah, open up a poetry book in the morning. And so it's just, yeah, more recently it's become sort of a bit of a daily practice of, of well, let's see what poem we can find here. And, uh, you know, and we, it we all... definitely stirs things, the creative poetry juices up. I'm, I write more when that's happening. Love it. And we're, we're coming to kind of the conclusion here, just the end of the podcast time, but what surprises you right now about this world of poetry for you? What's, what, what's some of the surprise happening for you right now where you are with it? Well, I, uh, I seem to be actually accepted as a poet to some extent by some other poet people. And that, I felt like it was always just my own secret little world of writing poems that even if I was publishing a book, which it wasn't exactly like tons of copies of books going out there. <laughs> I've sent things to magazines every once in a while and never have been accepted yet. I haven't, you know, I haven't tried very hard, not send them to a lot of places or anything, but, um, and, but still I, there's this level of people somehow see me to some extent as a poet. It's like, really? Wow. Okay, cool. Um, that's, that's kind of, I'm, I'm somehow surprised by that because I don't know why I somehow seem to think it's just my own thing that I'm into and, and sure. I want other people to, to like them and so on, but I don't, I don't necessarily expect to have it come all the way across to where I'm seen that way. Um, so I get it. You know, to me, the nice. beauty of being expressed um, and not having it only be a secret. I'm not that there's anything wrong with um, secret creativity, but that also having that other experience of it, having it also not be a secret, having it be out there. I, I just find it beautiful. Um, David, thank you for jumping on with me. We could actually go a lot of different places, but um, I'm going to jump out here. Is there, do you want to read one by Billy Collins that you like? to end? Sure. Okay. Okay. Go for yeah, it. Yeah. I definitely like this one partly because he's, he's not taking it too serious. <laughs> so this one is called the trouble with poetry. The trouble with poetry. I realized as I walked along a beach one night, cold Florida sand under my bare feet, a show of stars in the sky. The trouble with poetry is that it encourages the writing of more poetry. More guppies crowding the fish tank. More baby rabbits hopping out of their mothers into the dewy grass. Such a good line there. More baby rabbits hopping out of their mothers into the dewy grass. And how will it ever end? unless the day finally arrives when we have compared everything in the world to everything else in the world. And there is nothing left to do but quietly close our notebooks and sit with our hands folded on our desks. Poetry fills me with joy and I rise like a feather in the wind. Poetry fills me with sorrow and I sink like a chain flung from a bridge. But mostly, poetry fills me with the urge 
to write poetry, to sit in the dark and wait for a little flame to appear at the tip of my pencil. Again, to sit in the dark and wait for a little flame to appear at the tip of my pencil. And along with that, the longing to steal, to break into the poems of others with a flashlight and a ski mask. And what an unmerry band of thieves we are, cut purses, common shoplifters, I thought to myself, as the cold wave swirled around my feet, the lighthouse moved its megaphone over the sea, which is an image I stole directly from Lawrence Ferlinghetti, to be perfectly honest for a moment. The bicycling poet of San Francisco, whose little amusement park of a book I carried in a side pocket of my uniform up and down the treacherous halls of high school. So. Thank you, David Coleman. Till next time, <laughs> I'll see you in the kitchen. Thank you. <laughs> Have okay. a good one. Well, that's today's podcast of Creative at the Wheel. Before we go, I want to invite you to check out my Creativity and Spirit Online Retreats. Experience for yourself the breakthroughs and support available when you engage your creative self in a safe and playful community. Begin here if you are ready to ignite your own transformational journey in a joyful way. You can also learn more about my one-on-one coaching offerings on my website, paintbiglivebig.com.